prayer. We've all heard of it, but do we really know what it is? Is it just talking to God? Is there a right and wrong way to pray? Are all prayers the same? We'll touch on these questions and more in this series entitled Prayer. Let's jump in. We are continuing our study on the prayer series. And the last time that we were together, we actually completed prayer number six. So I'm not going to give anybody a quiz or anything, but, <laughs> but hopefully you remember the, the six prayers. And I would like to welcome everyone who was viewing us on Periscope, and hopefully you're warm and toasty <laughs> wherever you are. We would love to have you come and visit us actually at our physical location, which is 477th Avenue, right here in Midtown Manhattan. It's a wonderful place. We'd love for you to come anytime, but we're happy to have you with us none the same. So the six types of prayer that we have been looking at in this series started with number one. I'll just give you a little quick recap so that we're on the same page. Number one was the prayer of petition, or no, it's also known as a prayer of faith. Oh, good, you were listening. OK. Um, no, that's wrong. See, you all said that. And that wasn't number one. Number one was the prayer of agreement. See, see, see. Okay, so number one was the prayer of agreement. Number two was the prayer of faith, also known as petition prayer. Number three was a prayer of consecration, dedication, and it's consecration or dedication. Number four was the prayer of praise and worship. Number five was the prayer of intercession. And the last one was the prayer of binding and loosing. Okay, wonderful. That's where we completed and left off. Then we talked about the fact that since we learned about the six different types of prayer, we needed to know a little bit more about what to do with what we had learned. So we were starting with the different elements involving the petition prayer, prayer of faith. And I had given you the first one, and then we ran out of time. So the first element is to figure out what you want from God. Then find a scripture that supports it or promises it for you. If you don't know, then you really don't have a reason to pray. I mean, all things being equal, you really do not. Because if you go to the Father with nothing, you will still have what? Nothing. Because Zero plus zero equals zero. Nothing changed with that. So you have to have something to stand upon. Unfortunately, many times Christians pray to God without praying his word. And we've been talking about how important that is. Because sometimes they may just say things that sound good, or they're similar things that they've heard other people pray or catchphrases. And then they wonder, how come they're not getting any results? Why it is that it doesn't seem like the Lord is answering them? It is paramount that your prayer is based upon what? The will of God, which is what? His word. It is the whole foundation of your prayer. That is why you must find the promise in the word before you begin to pray. And we discussed earlier in this study how God watches over his word. And just as a little refresher, turn to Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and the 11th verse. Isaiah 55, 11. Most of you probably already have this committed to memory. 
And it says in the New King James Version, are you there yet? Okay, great. In the New King James Version, it says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Amplified says, so will my word be, which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. And then it clarifies what void means, in case you don't know. It means useless, without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And the New International simply says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So I submit to you that if you cannot find a scriptural promise, you have nothing to stand on. I also submit that it's another reason where the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues, may be something that can be extremely helpful because there really may not be a specific scripture stating what you're praying for. And the Holy Spirit can help you find a scripture to stand on. And I'll give you um, an example. Throughout this, we talked about how, when I was giving you an example or formula of how to pray, um, we used the example of a brand new leather Gucci bag. Now there is nothing from Genesis to Revelation that mentions a brand new leather Gucci bag. Trust me, if it was, I would have found it, <laughs> okay? It's not in there. So then how could I possibly ask for that? I mean, all things being equal, what scripture could I stand on for that? That's a good question, right? Well, turn with me to Psalms, and we're going to look at the 20th chapter, verse 4. Let me know when you're there. Psalms, the 20th chapter, verse 4. Okay, great. So if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. The Amplified says, May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. And also, even in the New International Version, it says, May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Now, while you're in Psalms, go over to this 37th chapter of Psalm, and we're going to look at verse 4 there. 37, Psalm 37. Okay, you're there already, right? Yes. Okay. So if we look at verse 4 there, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, this is kind of being clear that I can get the desires of my heart, right? The Amplified says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. And then the New International Version, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So based on these scriptures, I can confidently pray a prayer of faith or a petition prayer for a brand new leather Gucci bag because it's a desire of my heart. I do delight myself in the Lord, so therefore I can get my Gucci bag. So do you see what I mean? That's why I'm saying the Holy Spirit can point something out to you in case it's not just specifically written there because as we know, there's nothing written there for that. So the next important element or aspect of element number one is that after you've decided what you want from God, 
and you found the scripture to stand on and make that the foundation of your prayer, like in the prayer that I had given you, I could say that Psalm 20 and Psalm 37, both of them can be my foundation for the prayer for the brand new leather Gucci bag. You have to, the, the third aspect of this element is you've got to be prepared to fight as you stand in faith. And the enemy, your adversary, will be pulling out all of his stops to prevent your prayer from being answered. It's just another reason, again, and I cannot push this enough, where your prayer language is helpful because the enemy does not understand it. Element number two, after you've asked the Heavenly Father for what you want, it is imperative that you believe that you have whatever it is, with a childlike kind of faith. Um, and an example of a childlike kind of faith is, you know, many of you I'm sure have, have children or you've dealt with little ones. And say, for instance, you promised them, okay, Christmas is here, and you told them back around Thanksgiving time that you were going to take them to see the Christmas show at Radio City Music Hall with the Rockettes. Okay, well, if you haven't done it already, they are probably telling you every day, when are we going to go? Because Christmas is coming. It's not this Sunday, but it's next Sunday. So when are we going to see the Rockettes? They will hound you every day. They have already told all their friends. And even if the smallest little child already knows that they're going because you said that they were going and they won't back down. You better figure something out because they're going to that show and you are going to be the ones to take them. Well, that's how we have to be when we ask the Heavenly Father for something. We have to have that kind of childlike faith and belief that he is going to do what it is that he said he was going to do. And oftentimes, we don't sometimes. We, we start getting weary and, and that's a challenge. Um, you also have to believe that you have it in present tense, not going to get it, but that you already have it. So in the instance of my prayer for the brand new leather Gucci bag, I would have already, if I really prayed that prayer specifically, I would have already planned my outfits out. You know, like depending upon the color leather that I asked for, I would have already had the shoes picked out. I would have already seen myself carrying this bag because I have it because I asked for it. And in doing this, it's so easy. When you see that you have it, it's so easy to praise God for it because you already really believe that you've got it. And when you do that, it puts the enemy totally on tranquilizers. He cannot stand when you do that. And that's even more reason to do it, to tell you the truth. But notice also, throughout this, I said that you must ask. This is not something that you can just think about. You literally have to ask. Even if it's spoken in a tone that's just a whisper, you still have to ask. It's got to come out of your mouth. Because why? Any thought, thought that goes unspoken dies unborn. So if you do not speak it, you gave no life to it. So therefore, it cannot manifest itself. And we have example of that. God created the universe how? He didn't create it by thinking. He created it by speaking. He said, let there be light, and light was. So whatever you're believing God for, you must ask by speaking for it. Element number three, let every fiber of your being, every thought, every consideration, confirm that you have received what you have asked God for. 
Now, the enemy will try to harass you and plant seeds of doubt. That's his job. But just don't allow it. You just make up your mind that you're just not going to allow it. You're not going to accept anything less than what you have asked God for. Now, I specifically asked in my prayer for the example of this for a brand new leather Gucci bag. So if somebody brings me a brand new leather, I don't know, Michael Kors bag, that's not what I asked for. Now, a brand new Michael Kors bag is not bad. I mean, it's not like they brought me junk, but that's not what I asked for. So therefore, I mean, I can accept it and say thank you and be grateful, but I can't get off the fact that I asked God for a brand new leather Gucci bag. So I'm not accepting the Michael Kors and thinking that's okay. And see, too often as believers, we do that. And we trick our own selves. We console ourselves with, if we're believing God for, oh, and women, because <laughs> I'm a woman so I can pick on us, okay? We are real good to do this. We're believing God for a mate, all right? We are very specific. We have put down what we're believing for, what we want. I mean, sometimes we get a little really crazy because, you know, they, gotta <laughs> they have to look a certain way. I mean, we have all of these things. Then some little toad comes along, okay? And just because he asks us to marry him, we go for it and just say, well, he asked me, but is that what you were believing God for? Okay, you were believing God for somebody who loved the Lord, who had all of his finances in order, who looked like Michael Ely, okay, <laughs> with blue eyes, and then here you get somebody who looks like step and fetch it, who can barely take you to, you know, McDonald's to get a meal, and you're going to marry him, and then you're going to dress it all up and say, but he loves the Lord, I think, and he asked me. All you heard was he asked you. You forgot everything else. And then you come in for counseling, crying tears, because it's a mess. Okay, well, did you stand? Did you wait for what God believed you for, what you would believe in God for? No. You tried to turn it into something else. Just like in this instance, if I took the Michael Kors bag and tried to get, you know, say it's, oh, it's leather. Yeah, it's leather, but it's Michael Kors. And that's nice. But I asked for Gucci. It's not Michael Kors. You've got to be specific. And I'm saying it like I'm using something as simplistic as a bag. It's comical. But if you are, you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it feels like somebody has just gone through, gone across your chest with football cleats, and you can hardly breathe, and you get rushed to the hospital, and they're trying to tell you you have a problem with your heart, okay, and you're believing God that you are going to live and not die, you better be specific. You've got to know, and you've got to hold on to the word like it is your lifeline, and don't ever let go of it. So it is not just, you know, we're making fun here because we're talking about something materialistic like a bag. But a lot of times it is something that is life. It's, it's your life that you're believing God for. It's the same principle, though. You can't settle for something else. So if they come and tell you, well, you had a heart attack, and we expect that if you do this, this, and this, that you should be able to live for another six months. Don't even sit there and hear that. Okay, because you're believing God that you're healed. So if you're believing God that you're healed, you don't come with an expiration date. So don't come telling me that. Don't receive it. But you would be surprised how many people are not sitting in these chairs here today because they bought what the enemy said and they didn't know any better. So 
The good news is you're here. <laughs> so you're not going to do that, right? Praise the Lord. We also have to remember, even with the enemy giving us thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, that we have to allow patience to have her perfect work. And sometimes we may say, we want thus and so by such and such a time, and it doesn't come at that particular time. And then we're ready to give up too. That's all so foolish. If you've asked God, this is the same God who fills your lungs with breath so that you can breathe. It's the same God that gives you the ability to function, to have your being, to do all that you do. You don't think he heard you when you prayed? So just because you didn't get it at that specific time that you wanted it, just trust him. Just don't give up. Just stand waiting. And I just submit to you that when Christians tell you, I didn't get this or the Lord didn't hear me, it's not the Lord, it's them. They just gave up. No matter what, you cannot quit. Element number four, be on guard. You have to guard everything when you're believing God for something. You have to guard your ear gates. That means what you hear. You've got to guard your eye gates, what you see. And you even have to guard the words that you read. Because again, you may be believing God for something when it comes to healing, when it comes to finances, and you turn on the news, or you look at the internet, and the internet is telling you you're believing God for a new apartment or a new, some kind of new housing. You're believing God for it. This is what you want. And then you turn on the TV and it tells you how well the interest rate's about to go up. So therefore, oh, what you had planned for, that's never going to happen because now the interest rate's going up. Or you're believing God that you are not going to have the same type of physical challenges that maybe other members in your family did. But then you sit and you get on the internet and it tells you, well, the probability if your mother had this and your father had this and your auntie had this, then you're going to have this. You know, all of these things. You have to just put all of that to the side. Because here's the thing. If you're believing the word, the word has to become, when we say, you hear us say final authority. And that sounds nice. But what it basically means is all you're going to believe is what the word says. Some people say it's brainwashing. Then brainwash me. Okay, I don't care. I am just going to believe what the word of God says. I can trust God. People have a tendency to let you down. You can think they're the most wonderful people in the world, and you can think they're so sweet, so kind, they still have the ability to disappoint you. The only person who has not disappointed me has been God. So therefore, I'm going to trust what it is that he says. And that's, you've got to be sold out. And just do not accept anything other than that. And you know something? You're going to have to make sure that everything around you supports what you are believing for. If you want to go the distance, you're going to have to do that. And sometimes that's not the easy thing. It's going to cost you something because you may actually have to put some distance between you and some of your friends, some distance. It can go down to the point where you have to put some distance between you and your spouse. Now, yes, you and your spouse are one, of course, but sometimes you may be believing one thing and they might not be able to get a glimpse of it. And that's okay, because you go back to the Father. He'll work on them. 
But you have to still, if, if they can't be on the same page for what you're believing for, then it's okay. You don't get into any strife. You give that to the Lord, but then you just realize, okay, I can't keep talking to them about this because if they can't support me in it, that's all right. Lord, it's going to be you and I because I'm believing for this. I'm not going to accept anything other than your truth. And if they're not ready for it or they're not on the same page with me, that's okay. I will love them anyway, but I'm not backing away from this truth. You've got to get that way. And sometimes it can be a lonely place, but it's okay because it can't be so lonely because you've got the Godhead within you. So how lonely can you really be? Okay. How lonely can you really be? So you just need to stand and you've got to understand that. You cannot allow anything to have a negative effect on your faith. And what you think about, by the way, it does affect your heart which is your belief system, which is where your faith is. It will have an effect on it. And if it has an effect on that, then that means it's going to affect your words. And if it affects your words, we already know that your words create your whole entire world. So therefore, you've got to be very, very careful. And I'll give you an example. You see, the enemy can attack us sometimes. Yeah, he'll attack us full frontal. We get it. We know. But sometimes he's a little sneaky. And he almost uses things subliminally or subtly. For instance, say you have gone to the doctor and you've received an evil report. And the doctor has confessed something negative over your life. And yes, you have done everything in line with the word like you're supposed to. You believe in God for your healing. You turn on the TV and it seems like every commercial, they're giving you a new medication for what it is that you're standing against. And, they and notice, I want you to see this. Notice these commercials, okay? It's like they don't show you the commercials other than those smoking commercials, which I just turn off. They're horrible. The people look like they're about to die right there. <laughs> you know, like say for instance, um, I don't know. There's one for Zarelto. I don't even know what Zarelto's for, but it's something for Zarelto. They have these people frolicking through the park. Oh, it's the guy, the old man and his wife. And they're getting ready to go somewhere with a canoe. And she's asking him, did he take whatever? And he's like, oh, yes be surprised, be prepared to be surprised. But they look so happy. I mean, these drug commercials, they make you think your whole life, you just take this pill and oh, your whole life is just going to be wonderful. It's subtle because if you're believing God that you are healed and you don't want to have to take any kind of medication, you do not want to sign for the package of whatever Zarelto or whatever these other drugs are for, you're saying you're healed. But these commercials keep coming on and they keep making you think, well, you know, maybe if I just go on and take the pill, maybe I can be like these people in the commercial. Maybe I won't have to have some of these little aches and pains that I'm standing against. Maybe it's subtle. Understand it's happening and just say, <laughs> no. I am the healed of the Lord. The word of God is health to all my flesh. you got to start counteracting it. But you know what? A lot of people don't even realize it happens. And then they just kind of go along with that. And then the next thing they know, they go into the doctor's office for their next checkup. And you know how they have all these little, they have magazines, but they have five million flyers that the drug companies leave there. They pick up a flyer. Oh, this is for, now I don't know what Zarelto is for, so <laughs> forgive me, but they pick up the flyer about Zarelto or about whatever, and it makes it sound like you just take this and everything is just taken care of. And before you know it, they're in the doctor's office, he's writing them a script, 
for that particular drug. So the point that I'm making to you is, it's almost like a law of attraction. Whatever you're thinking, look at it this way. If you've ever wanted to buy a car, see it's kind of hard because you guys are in the city, you don't have a bunch of cars. But when you think about buying a car, it seems like, say if you decide you want to get a BMW, you get on the road and you see every BMW that's on the road. Now the, the BMWs have always been there, but all of, you just start seeing them. Why? Because your mind is thinking on that. Or if I really did pray for this brand new leather Gucci bag, I promise you, every Gucci bag all, all through the streets, I see them. They just pop up. Okay, it's the same thing with our thoughts. So whatever you're believing God for, your thoughts will attract it. You've got to understand that. So that's why you don't think about the circumstances. You think about the victory. That's all I want you to think about. Whatever you believed him for, see it. Think on the victory. Don't think on whatever the challenge is. Element number five. Think constantly on the promise that you're standing upon because that is your foundation. So that's what you need to be meditating on day and night. Turn with me to Proverbs. Well, I left you in Proverbs, so go to Proverbs 4, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 23. And let me know when you're there. Proverbs 4, you're there? Okay, wonderful. So the New King James Version, starting with verse 20, says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Amplified says, my son, pay attention to my words and be willing to learn. Open your ears to my sayings. Do not let them escape from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing and health to all their flesh. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Then I'm going to read it to you really quickly out of the message. And it says, Dear friend, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those, and you should, if you are standing on a promise of God, it should be something you learn by heart. You don't need to be fumbling through the pages of the word to try to find it. If you're standing on it, it should be in your heart to such a point that you can just have it come out when you, whenever you need to. Because that's your sword. That's what you're going to have to attack the enemy back with. When he's trying to tell you, well, no, this isn't going to happen and that's not going to happen. That's when you have to say, it is written. And then you need to know what is written so that you can say it. So that he backs off. So Yes, you need to definitely learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live, really live, body and soul. They're bursting with help, health. Keep diligent. Watch over your heart. That's where life starts. I love that. Because what's in your heart, that is really where your life starts. So if you don't have any faith in your heart, if you don't believe in God for anything, what can I tell you? But if you are, that's where your life starts. So yes, you have to watch over your heart. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. I love that. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step 
and the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither right nor left, leave evil in the dust. I love that. So do not allow yourself to meditate or think about the challenge. Only concentrate, meditate, and see only the victory. Element number six, remind yourself about the loving kindness, mercy, goodness, grace, and blessings of God. Praise him for all that he does for you and praise him for who he is, the most high God. When you do that, not only does it bless him, but it strengthens your faith because it goes back to your heart and you realize, you know what? I don't give a care what you're believing God for. I don't care how serious it may seem. Number one, you are not the first person to, to grow through whatever it is. Somebody else somewhere else has already grown through it and received victory. Just know that God loves you. He's got you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And when you do that, you, come out of, you just come out of it just realizing, you know what? I got this. You know, so sometimes you really do, you just have to do that. You know, maybe some of you have never been to that point, but I have. <laughs> okay, I'm telling you. Sometimes you just have to do that. Element seven. Make every word that proceeds from your mouth line up with what you are believing God for. Make sure that your words are a statement of faith. Let's look at Romans 10:17, and I know you guys already know Romans 10:17, but we're going to look at it anyway. And the New King James Version says this, and I know you know it. So then faith, what? Comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Amplified, so faith comes from hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message concerning Christ. Now, faith comes by hearing, we know that. And of course, we want it to be the word of God because we've already established that's the truth. I submit to you that you have faith for what you hear, period. So if you are a man and your mother professes over you that your father was nothing, you're not going to be anything, and I don't even know why you're trying to get that promotion on your job. You know you're not about to get it because you're not about anything. Or if you're a girl and your parents tell you, well, you're a girl, so you're not going to be good in math. I don't even know why you're trying so hard. Girls aren't good in math. And you're not really that bright. You're cute. So just dress up and look cute because don't think you're going to really do well in math because, you know, you're a girl. Why should you think that? You know what? If you hear that enough, you grow up, and I can guarantee you, if you're a girl, you're going to be bad at math. And if you're a man, you're going to struggle your whole life because you've been told, it's been pronounced over you that you're nothing because your father was nothing. You may not have even met your father. You might not even know who the man is. But you heard that. That was planted in you. That is why every word that proceeds out of your mouth if it's not going to be something that's going to build someone up, I beg of you, don't speak. Amen. And that goes for not just children. That goes for us as the body of Christ. Amen. 
okay? And I say this often. You hear it often. Every word, one word from God can change a person's life forever. Well, one word from you can change a person's life forever. You know? Think about it. You come to church, you've gone through whatever you've gone through. Forget that. Tonight, you braved the cold to get here. And, you know, I mean, hey, we do it. We dress in layers. We do all that. But still, you could have stayed home in your bed, comfortable with the comforter, you know, all warm, whatever. You, you did not have to come out here. But say you came out and you walk in and one of your brethren here sits there and says, oh, you look like a mess. You're tired. How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel like it was really worth me coming? No. We have to be careful of the words we speak because there's power that comes because remember the Godhead is within you when you speak it's just as powerful as God speaking so you better watch what you say you cannot afford for one second and sometimes because come on we're human we're going to have thoughts that come it's hard sometimes. I mean, I'm not, you know, this isn't a fairy tale. I'm authentic. This is life, and it is real. And sometimes it's challenging. But sometimes the language of silence is your best friend. Because if you cannot say what lines up with the word, just don't speak. If you are believing God for healing, and you have a pain that hits you, and you just feel like you can't bear it, don't say a word unless you can say, by his stripes I was healed. It is written that the word, that the word of God is health to all my flesh. If you can't say something that's going to line up with the word, just don't say anything. Pray in the spirit because that's perfect prayer. Just don't say anything. And that goes for any aspect of your life. Just don't speak. You're better off that way. So make sure that your statements are words of faith that line up with the truth, which is the word, and what it is that you asked for. That's why prayer journals, it's funny, I remember years ago, you, and you can go into any Christian bookstore and they have prayer journals. And when I was a baby Christian, I often wondered, well, a prayer journal, okay. You know, I mean, I looked at it like, okay, I guess it's like any journal, you sit and you just write stuff down, you know, you write down a prayer. But I didn't recognize then, because I was a baby, just how important prayer journals are. You need to have one. You need to write and date what you are believing God for, simply so <laughs> that if, because you know, if we're praying all the time and we're asking him for everything, you may get to a point where, just like you can't always remember every password, I don't know, if it, maybe you all aren't like that. Thank God I have a phone. <laughs> Because, you know, you have to change your passwords, so you may not remember the password that you have for something, and then, you're, and then it's locked out and you can't get in. Well, you need to write it down and keep it in a safe place. There goes your prayer journal. You write it down and date it. So, therefore, you can go back and say, oh, Father, thank you so much. Remember, I'm just bringing back to your remembrance on October 18th at such and such a time, at such and such a date. I thank you, Father, that I asked you for my brand new leather Gucci bag. And I thank you so much, Lord, that I have it. I just believe I've received it, and I thank you for it. The prayer journal helps you remember exactly when and what you believed God for. So write it out specifically so that you, if, if for some reason or another you have so many other things you're praying for, you can go back as a reference. Just like you go back to the word as a reference, go back to your prayer journal as a reference. But And then, of course, you can mark down when you got the manifestation and your answer. 
okay? That's very, very important. And it's important if you have any young people in your life, teach them that, okay? Because that's something that they can learn from. At a very early age, teach them that because they'll grow as a result of it. It's a wonderful thing. Last but not least, put your confidence, your full confidence, in the faithfulness of God. Turn with me to Titus. And we're going to look at Titus, the first chapter, and the second verse. And let me know when you're there. Okay. In the New King James Version, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. And the Amplified says, Based on the hope and divine guarantee of eternal life, the life which God, who is ever truthful and without deceit, promised before the ages of time began. So since God cannot lie, he can only tell the truth. He made it very clear in his word that when we pray, believe that we receive what we ask for and we shall have it. So guess what? That settles it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a done deal. That totally settles it. Now, something that I do want to share with you deals with information regarding the Lord's Prayer. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. This is kind of important. So Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, and let me know when you're there, please, because I want you to see this. Now, I'm going to read this. This is interesting because, you know, I'm going to read this first out of the traditional King James Version because that's actually the one most of us hear when it comes to this. This is the one that we're most familiar with. So that's where I'm going to read it from first. So let me know when you're there. Okay, so the traditional regular King James Version says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now the New King James Version, which you probably were following along with, says pretty much the same thing. Um, the only difference is when you get down to the last part of Verse 13, it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Yeah, it says really the same thing, forever, amen. I like the easy to read. It says, so this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that your name be always kept holy. See, I like that, because a lot of people don't really know what hallowed means. It sounds nice, but what does it really mean, okay? So here it explains what it means, okay? We pray that your kingdom will come, that what you want will be done here on earth, the same as in heaven. Give us the food we need for today. Forgive our sins, just as we have forgiven those who did wrong to us. Don't let us be tempted, but save us from the evil one. Now, many people are familiar with this prayer. Even non-Christians know this typical, what they call the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure that most of you have heard it even before you accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, right? Okay. First of all, if you notice at the beginning of verse 9, it states <laughs> that you should pray in this manner, and then it begins the prayer. 
Due to the fact that it is Jesus speaking, it became known as the Lord's Prayer, very simply just for that. In fact, it is a model prayer or formula for prayer for that particular point in time. It cannot be for us as believers during this place in time for several reasons. The first and most obvious is that it ends with a simple amen. Look at John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 23 and 24. John 16, verses 23 and 24. The New King James Version says, And in that day you will ask me, meaning Jesus, nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. The easy to read says, in that day you will not have to ask me about anything. And I assure you, my Father will give you anything you ask him in my name. You have never asked for anything in this way before. But ask in my name, and you will receive, and you will have the fullest joy possible. Now, the Amplified Bible Classic Edition, so that's A-M-P-C, says, and when that time comes, and again, this is why we read different translations, because if you notice, it's breaking it down even more. And when that time comes, you will ask nothing of me. You will need to ask me no questions. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you that my Father will grant you whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Up to this time, you have not asked a single thing in my name as presenting all that I am. But now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy, gladness, delight may be full and complete. Now let me make this very clear. Where it says, ask and keep on asking, he's not talking about the same prayer. He's not saying, okay, I believe that I'm, you know, he's not telling you that you've got to ask the Lord over and over and over for the same thing. In other words, in this whole entire series, I prayed for the uh, brand new leather Gucci bag. I don't have to keep praying that prayer over and over. What this is referring to is you always need to go to the Father and ask him for whatever it is that you need. Ask him over and over for your need, not for the same thing over and over. Okay, so I, I want to make sure that that is clear. So as you can see, we've been instructed by Jesus to ask our Heavenly Father for what we want in his name, Jesus' name. He also states that this is to occur after he has gone to his Father. There was no need for the disciples to ask God for anything when Jesus was walking among them. I mean, think about it. You're walking with the Son of the Most High God. You need to go. just ask him, okay? He's going to make sure you have whatever it is that you need. He was instructing them what they needed to do once he had left. Next important point is that after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we were already delivered from the power of darkness. So with that point being said, we already were out of the grip of the enemy or the evil one. So where it's saying all through there, you know, deliver us from evil, we've already been delivered from that. So there's no need to deliver us from evil as it's in the prayer because we've already been delivered. Turn with me to Colossians, the first chapter, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 13, 12 and 13. 
Colossians 1, verses 12 and 13, and let me know when you're there. Okay. So looking at it in the New King James Version, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. The easy to read says, and give thanks to the father. He has made you able to have what he has promised to give all his holy people who live in the light. God made us free from the power of darkness and he bought us, brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, I'm reading this one because I love it. This is out of the Amplified Classic Edition, and it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. I just absolutely love that. This not only states that we've been delivered from the power of darkness, but we've been transferred to the kingdom of his God's beloved son. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2.9, which those of you who know me know this is one of my favorite scriptures. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We're going to look at it out of the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it to you really quickly out of the Amplified and the Message. So, the New King James Version, are you there? Okay, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the Amplified says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And the message says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work, and speak out for him to tell others of the day and night difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. There is no way you can read that and not feel, ex oh, I mean, you have to understand what it means to be royalty in a kingdom that's not of this world. And when we come back next time, I'm going to share with you the true Lord's Prayer. But I can't do it now because I just ran out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.